Hello and welcome to the Lighthouse Church Beloved Podcast. I'm Lena and I'm here with Carolyn and Sam. We are talking about the parable of the sower. In the last podcast, we were discussing um, the rocky ground, what that can look like in our lives. And I shared a story about how that looked for me when I was a, a rocky ground Christian. I looked great on the outside. I went to all the events. I went to all the, you know, was involved in everything, but the word of God, I wasn't dealing with the sin issues in my life. So I looked really good, but there was no root. The roots couldn't go down because there was that um, layer of rock underneath the soil. And I think, can I just say what you're saying there, Lena, as well is important. We can get so caught up in the doing mm-hmm. and if and neglect the intimacy aspect, Martha, which is Martha, Martha. Yeah, yes. <laughs> which is the relationship with Jesus, you know, which has got to come first. But often it is about doing and yeah, striving and yeah. Yes, I'm great at doing things. <laughs> I got that one picked up. A natural Martha. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, how do we plow or turn over the soil, the ground of our hearts? Sam, you wanna. Yeah, well, I was thinking about this and trying to think practically and the first thing that came to my mind is, well, if you really want to do a bit of digging in your soil, you you hit it with the hose for a little bit because it softens it up and that's soaking in the word of God. Um, You might not feel like it at first, especially if you've got a lot of hard places in your life, but the more that you read God's word and the more that you really listen to what he's saying through it and the more you try and apply it to your life the softer and softer the ground in your life is going to be and then the other thing is that if you're going to dig up hard ground that's going to be hard work it's going to be painful Um, anyone who's dug a, a new garden out of some hard clay soil knows that it's tough work and so you know we're going to have to do digging in our own lives we're going to have to put ourselves through those hard yards to really um cultivate that ground and cultivate that good soil in our heart and that's part of that's avoiding formalism and unwillingness to change um, in your life so that requires submission to the word of God and the way that God wants you to apply it in your life and I think what you've said there's really important like you know we live in a society that's designed just for everything to be easy um, and it's to go in with that understanding that it is going to be difficult and painful because it's something hard and as you say it's like that you know putting that pickaxe in those first few times is going to be sore and painful and I think if you can go in with the understanding of that and you know you're prepared to yeah, go through with it Lena. I think there's a, a version of scripture um, in 1 Corinthians and Paul's talking about like the race that all runners run and like how do you want to run your race because you can have your backpack on with your weights in it and be trying to do the yeah. marathon or you can strip all that junk off get rid of it and run your race well it's mm. like whether or not you're willing to get rid of everything that will hinder you from running your race well and that's what gets me the most frustrated like some people just because of fear or whatever they just don't tackle these things and it's like you could just you know well, that's the thing, so the much better. fear of the pain of dealing yeah. with it, but it's more painful well, to keep it. To keep it. Yeah. And you could live like this for yeah. 20, yeah. 30, 40 years. It affects your marriage, your children, or your friendships, you know. Yeah. Basically, you choose to isolate yourself because you won't deal with these yeah. things. It's yeah. far more painful 
than the temporary pain of dealing with it. And not just painful for you, painful for everybody around you. (laughs) Yeah, so, I mean, that's the thing. If you're professing to follow Christ, you are going to definitely come to a place where your wrong belief systems, your wrong behaviors, your sin behavior is going to be challenged and exposed. And that's the point when you can begin to deal with that hard ground and the rocky ground. And, you know, sadly, I've seen and we all have so many people turn away at this point. And so they leave because they don't want to deal with that. And they, they will remain with that shallow, rocky ground, having, as we talked last time, that scripture, having a form of godliness but denying the power. But you know what? We've got to see that as, you know, if um, things are brought up to us and whatever, we've got to see that as a turning point. It's not a negative. It's like a turning point where we can make that right choice and it all begins with that repentance. You know, it's that confess, repent, renounce, and receive your forgiveness. And 1 John 1 says, if we freely, and this is the Amplified, if we freely admit that we have sinned and confess our sins, he is faithful and just, true to his own nature and promises, and will forgive our sins and cleanse us continually from all unrighteousness, our wrongdoing, everything, not in conformity with his will and his purpose. And it's really important that we remember that repentance is not about feelings. Yes, some people may weep or whatever. Other people may not. It's not about that because you can. we talked last time as well about people that might be weeping at every sermon, but there's no cutting, mm, no yeah. wound is felt. So don't go on your feelings. It's a choice. You're choosing to acknowledge your sin and choosing to change, even if it means that you've got to change your lifestyle, you've got to cut certain relationships, whatever needs changing or cutting, that you're going to do the hard things you need to if you're repentant, if you're just remorseful, you're not going to do that. And so the questions that we face at this point is, are we prepared to allow the word of God to penetrate into our hearts and lives? And how far are we prepared to let the word send down its roots? No matter what those roots need to dislodge. And that's what we've got to remember. Two words are that penetrate and dislodge, because that's what's going to happen. If you let the word in, um, stuff has to get dislodged, and that is going to be painful. But we need to let it happen. You know, we've got to remember as well that, um, you know, character and faith, if you if you think of it, um, I spoke before about how for that upward growth of the plant, you've got to have that downwards. You've got to have those deep roots. And so if you think of a plant, if you know, you want a big plant to sustain the weight of that plant, there's got to be deep roots. And it's the same to sustain the weight of the ministry of the calling that God's given us. We've got to have those deep roots. And so if we want to do mighty things for God or, you know, we want to be an oak, then we've got to allow deep roots. And so that's work on our characters, things getting dislodged as those roots go down. It's, it's just persevering through that. We need to constantly respond to the power of conviction. So that is ongoing. It is sanctification. It's allowing the word and the Holy Spirit to change you. That is our personal responsibility to ensure that the word continues to find good ground and is able to take root in us. It is down to you whether you choose to respond to or push aside that flower conviction. Yeah, there's a, um, a verse that uh, I learnt when I was in my younger days, James 4.17, and it's a really great one. It says, if anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. And I actually one time put that as a sticky note on my steering wheel. 
um, when I was driving. So you weren't speeding, no, or swearing so, at the drivers? Well, no, I don't swear at drivers. I do get angry at them sometimes. But it was it was more, um, you know, I was really convicted that, and God was teaching me that if you know something is not right, it's not what God's called you to do. If you ignore that, it's sin. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people think of sin as something that you actively do. But sin can also be something that you actively don't do. Yeah, omissions. Like um, omission, uh, that passivity. And there are some things, uh, look, I know friends who won't touch alcohol and that's a personal conviction. And if they were to go against that personal conviction, um, because it's not from faith, it would be sin. Whereas for other people, that might be not something that God's put on their radar and so there are some really clear things that everyone shouldn't do. Yep. Um, and yet if you are, like you will know, there will be that niggle, that that feeling inside or that it's not, a, not so much an emotional feeling but it's more of a it goes against your moral compass. Yep. Like there will be that doubt, that niggle, that uncomfortableness when you are about to do something or you go ahead and do something that God's called you not to do. Or when you don't do something that God has called you to do, yep. um, and and so you really have to listen out for that conviction because if you don't do it, James four seventeen is pretty clear. If you don't do it, it's sin. And you know what you're saying there, Sam, about you're going to have that niggle, and that's where we have to be careful as well. If we think of those Hebrew scriptures, don't harden your heart. The Bible talks about your conscience getting seared over as well because we can ignore that. Um, and if we keep ignoring it, eventually it's just going to get less and less and we won't even hear it anymore. And that's a scary place, isn't it, to be that you're not even yeah, recognising that conviction. Mm. Right, so we need to realise that ploughing is not something to fear or avoid. Yes, it may be painful, but it is totally necessary for our emotional, physical and spiritual health. And that's what we've got to remember. It's not just, yes, we need to be living for our spirits, but... All these areas, if you're holding on to stuff and you're unhealthy spiritually, it actually does affect you emotionally and physically as well in your body. So, yeah, so plowing, if you're not going to plow, you're not going to get harvest, you're not going to get a crop, you're not going to get no, you know, no fruit. You're not going to get no fruit. (laughs) 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 All right, let me move on to the heart condition of the thorny ground. So Matthew 13, 7 says, other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. So, Sam, what does that thorny ground mean? Well, um, if we go back to what the ancient Israelite farmers would do, um, they didn't have the same kind of techniques that we have today where you would have a ploughing machine that does everything and somehow gets rid of the weeds. Uh, they, would, they would just cut the weeds off at the top and burn it. So... Uh, you've still got the roots of the weed. You've still got that growing capacity underneath the soil. uh, And on top, it would look like normal. But underneath, uh, you've got these weeds that are going to compete and choke out the the life of the seed. And so if you think about your own garden in the backyard, if you go and you do some weeding and you go to pull it up and it snaps off, happens all the time, you've still got the root underneath that. You, You have to go digging. You have to that out otherwise the root is still going to be there and it's still going to um, come back stronger than ever because it's built up that resistance to you and that that kind of soil is deceptive a person whose soil might look nicely plowed and tended on top but still has those weeds and those roots underneath that's going to be really deceptive because you're not going to tell that the weeds are there until you've sown some seed 
and then the seed grows and then the weeds grow too and then the seed fails to kind of produce a crop. And so this kind of soil is been ploughed, it looks clean, it looks ready to sow seed but unless that seed is on its own in the soil without having weeds around it, unless it's growing on its own, um, it can't be fruitful because it's getting competition with it. There, there are roots of weeds ready to spring to life as soon as you water it and choke the seed. And, and this is the exact reason why it's so important to tackle roots and, and that for mm. us is to tackle sin in our lives. You know, if you're just trying to deal with the top of the weed, which if I relate that to your life, it's the behaviours, the outward manifestations that you're dealing with and you're just trying to manage the symptoms and not the cause. And you know what, that's the way the world deals with issues and we shouldn't be dealing with things in the same way as the world does. Um, they won't pull the weeds out. They just teach you how to manage, how to live with symptoms without tackling the, the root issue. And, you know, that's just behaviour management. It's You can't maintain it for a long time. It's just if you're not going to change your belief systems, then, um, you know, anything else is just behaviour management. That's why people don't stick to, you know, New Year's resolutions and yeah. things because you're just trying to do it just out of your sheer force of will, but you haven't actually changed what you believe. Um, and, you know, what psychologist, like I said, it's the worldly way, what psychologist is ever going to say your behavior is a sinful response to your situation or hurts or trauma and you need to repent of that and then we can sort that out. Mm -hmm. That will help you explore why you respond as you do and help you to learn how to cope or live with it. Um, you know, I even see this at school. You know, kids with, say, anger issues or whatever, it's like, oh, we'll give you this little red card and you can take the card. When you're feeling angry and you can run out and run down to special needs and go and get a cuddle or something, you know, to make you feel better. You're not actually teaching them, you know, it's just like, well, we'll, you know, allow you to keep the stuff, but we'll just give you strategies on how to cope with it or live with it. And you know what? That's never Jesus' solution to any problem. His solution would be get rid of the weed altogether, pull it out at its very root. So, Lena, what would be these weeds or these thorns that are choking the plant that we'd be referring to? Yeah, so these are the cares and the worries of this life, so the deceitfulness of, of wealth. And it is the love of the world and the pleasures of the flesh that choke out the good seed. So the concerns of this life take the first place. And they become our priority rather than Christ. And I like this, um, I found this when I was researching Constable. He says, the present life rather than the life to come, the present treasure rather than the future treasure, capture his affections. They are deceitful in that they can drain spiritual vitality before the person realises what is happening to him or her. I, I, yeah, I like that quote. Um, so if we allow this to occur, then our life will be unfruitful. So there won't be a harvest, there won't be a crop because you've choked it all out. Have you got Matthew thirteen twenty two there? Oh, that's all right. Yeah, it just talks. Uh, it's, it's what Lena said. It's the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of wealth. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So the seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word and making it unfruitful. Yeah. So it's not first place. So what does that thorny ground in a heart look like? Um, you know, I was thinking about in my own life what what the thorny ground has looked like over the years and it's quite often busyness and competing yes. priorities. Yeah. 
like I'm a busy person and I come from a, a background where our family has been a busy family, always on the go. And one of the things that I have struggled with over the years is to make the still time, mm. to make the priority time. And it's it pains me to say it, but at times I have chosen sleep over spending time in the Word or my morning coffee over spending time in the Word. And, you know, these are... You know you can have your morning coffee while you're spending time I in the know. Word, just if that helps you for future. <laughs> oh, I, I've, 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 I've moved on from that part. Uh, but, but I do the sleep thing, I must admit. Yeah, and, and, and often it's selfishness. You know, you're the things that you are finding important that become more important than God, and then that means you're not making him Lord of your life. And so you've got these thorny places, these areas of your life that you haven't dealt with, um, you know, the selfishness, the busyness, the inability to say no, that competes with uh, making God number one priority in every area of your life. And, um, you know, once you've dealt with one weed that pops up with its roots, then you've got to deal with the other weeds that are still there. So it's not going to be a process that you can click your fingers and it just happens. It's a... It's an ongoing process. It's a weed by weed, root by root, ongoing thing that happens. And eventually you'll have absolutely pristine good soil and I'm pretty sure that's when God's going to say, right, you can come home. Well, that's what it's going to say and what you girls have talked about with your gardens and stuff. It's like ongoing. It will never end. You can't just get all the weeds out and think that's it now forever. You've always got to be vigilant, hey. Sorry, Lena, but <laughs> you could buy no, AstroTurf. get my garden at the moment. <laughs> but if you buy AstroTurf, roots can, if there's weeds, it'll still grow up under through it, hey? Well, you could be pointing me all across the board now. <laughs> um, right, so, ba- oh, sorry, Lena, no, you, you go can. ahead. No, that's fine. No. I just, like, we, I've grown up in this generation of fast food and everything mm-hmm. quick and constant and, like, you know, in the Western world, our, our lifestyles are driven by these material goods and what they say about us. Yeah. Um, you know, and like so many, it's so easy to fall in the trap of using like the social media, the emails. It's like that's my um, emotional pick-me-up because, mm. oh, someone's got me a tweet or something about me and I feel good and or I went out and bought this thing and like all these little things just like keep us busy and distracted in our minds all the time. Mm. Um, and just drown out God completely. Um, you know, we think about who we surround ourselves with. Do we surround ourselves with the ungodly? What is coming out of our mouth? Um, I just was thinking back about every single person who left our church, you know, like so much of it's just been this unwillingness to lay down their life, really, to lay down the things of this world. Um, and I was, you know, thinking about that scripture, you know, whoever wants to follow me must deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. And, like, that's what we need to have a hard look at ourselves. Who or what is Lord of my life? Um, you know, who or what am I giving priority to in my life? And and that's the thing, like you said, we're in this instant society and everything is pushing and, you know, pushing us to be busy all the time and we sort of feel we have no choice because, you know, it's our jobs that we're bad. And we've really lost that, haven't we, that because it is so hard. I can physically have the time to 
and say, right, I'm going to have this time to be still, but to actually still yourself, Don't it's mind. so hard and stop it. Yeah, and even, you know, I've learned you need to just have a paper there, whatever, and just write those things. But even then, it's still so hard to just do that and to free yourself. And, and I think so we have to remember that anything, even if it seems to be something noble and something good, anything that we've allowed to have more control over our thoughts and reactions than we are allowing the word to have, anything that's got more say in our hearts than the word, that chokes the word in you and so it's a weed. Yeah. Well, by definition, a weed is something that's in the wrong place, yeah. that you don't want there. So it could be this beautiful plant, but if you don't want it in that part of your garden, it's a weed yeah. in that part of your yeah. garden. And there are all sorts of good things that we allow to compete with God as yeah. number one in our life. And we have to understand that while it might be a good thing, it needs to be second. Yes, absolutely. So um, do you want to read, Lena, that quote from Matthew Henry where he explains his thorny ground in, in a, a nutshell? nutshell? Yeah. Worldly cares are great hindrances to our profiting by the word of God and our proficiency in religion. They eat up that vigour of soul which should be spent in divine things, divert us from duty, distract us in duty, and do us most mischief of all afterwards, quenching the sparks of good affections and bursting the cords of good resolutions. Those who are careful and cumbered about many things commonly neglect the one thing needful. What scripture does that remind you, or what character straight away the one thing needful, hey? Jesus and Mary, <laughs> Martha. Yeah. But don't you love how these guys use like the words, the language? Oh, I love that. Hey, <laughs> those who are careful and cumbered about many things. You know, you're encumbered by all this thing. Yeah. I love it. It's great. So, anything else you want to quote on that? I think we've pretty well, much discussed it. Haven't we? Well, I just was. This is. I've been getting really into minimalism lately. I read blogs about it <laughs> regularly. It's my favorite. Probably a hundred. Um, and it's like this idea of only owning what you really need or love and being intentional about who or what you spend your time on. And I'm also reading um, Ray Comfort about uh, Hell's Best Kept Secret, you know, about... Yeah, it is really good. Um, you know, doing our utmost to share the gospel with the lost. And to go to late, like, are really making me look at the priorities in my life you know, how much of my life is focused on what is temporary, what's going to be passed away, and what's really focused on the eternal? Am I allowing myself to be dictated to by what the world considers success and is like a priority and should be focused on? Am I allowing fear of man to rule me? And just like really take a good look at myself and where am I storing up my treasure? Yeah. I think that's the big question. Like, what am I. What's my priority? Yeah, mm. and, you know, um, a life that's lived with distractions as the number one priority is not actually going to be an appealing life to those around you who are meant to see Jesus at work in your life. Mm. Like, you know, um, Matthew Henry was saying, quenching the sparks of good affection. And, you know, I had to think about that, and I might get it wrong, but I was thinking, well, is it a good affection that's like, the, the good relationships that you have around you, they're actually going to be hindered and yeah. quenched because your attention is drawn elsewhere. You know, you could be uh, doing a godly work by being a great friend, by listening, by coming alongside someone who needs to hear, who 
the gospel message or who needs to uh, have that discipleship in their life. And if you've got other things competing for your priority, then you're not going to be able to do what God has called you to do effectively. And it's not going to look appealing either to those who are truly searching for God. So it's really, hey, God first, everything else and you know what that's the thing we sort of think well I know I spend time you know like you say I'm not you know I might be putting other things first and then I'll feel guilty and condemned about that and, and you think oh I've got all this I have to do but the point is if you do actually put God first everything else does fall into place doesn't it and you actually do, first do redeem yeah do you do you remember that science experiment that you might have done with the iron filings and the magnet mm-hmm. um, and you know you've got these iron filings that look like black dust in a tray and then you take a magnet and underneath the tray, never in the tray, otherwise the filings stick to the magnet. If you just hold it underneath, you can actually see the patterns formed by it. And I always thought that was a great picture of when you put Christ-centered, everything else kind of lines up and forms into place around it. Everything has its its order and everything has its place. Not to say everything is perfect, but, you know, when you make God that priority, things seem to just shift into a right order and, and like you say even if it's not perfect and whatever you can still have hard times and things but because mm-hmm. you've got him as your priority he's your strength then and you know that's who you're trusting in and so you have the strength to do what you have to do and that's mm-hmm. the things that shouldn't matter tend to be least on the priority list that's when you that make God of jesus saying the things of the world as well go strangely dim mm-hmm. you know yeah. that chorus yeah all right so um Sam, do you want to just, Jesus has summed it up perfectly as well by what he said to Martha and Luke. Oh, yes, I like this one. Luke 10, 41 to 42. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her. Oh, man, can you imagine the conviction and the the good wound that you would feel if if Jesus said that to you. Few things are needed indeed. Mary has chosen what (laughs) is better. (laughs) (laughs) You know, but but it's true. You know, uh, Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus and Martha's running around organising in the background. Mm. So what, Lena, you could comment on a personal struggle not to be a Martha. Are you going? (laughs) All of us, but I'm just <laughs> yeah. I was oh. thinking you're picking on Lena. <laughs> I feel so That's not just Lena. Like I so relate to Martha. Like that's been my struggle across the whole of my life. Like that I put priority in doing things and getting mm. things done and tasks rather than relationship. And at the end of it, my relationship with Christ has to be the most important thing. Mm. But am I making that a priority? Is that reflected in like time? You know, the other day I was like. I don't want to read my Bible, I want to read my Bible, just like chill out and like go on Pinterest. I'm like, that's so dumb. You're going to spend like 10, 15 minutes on Pinterest and can't even spend like five minutes to read a chapter of your Bible. Where's your priority? Yeah. Um, yeah, just that is forgetting to carve out time and choosing to discipline my mind to be still. Like, that is my struggle sometimes. And, um, continue like it's in the season of my life I have 
small little children. Like if I often like I'll sit down to read my Bible and they will immediately wake up, or, yeah. <laughs> as is the way. Or like okay, well I'll, I'll work around it. Like I'll sit down and I'll journal with them sitting on my lap while they do something and be like, Mom, Mom. No. I just want to shut up and I'm like getting impatient. Like, Fruit of the spirit. You can <laughs> God, God, God. <laughs> and I just, I've just been convicted of like, okay, this is a different season. I used to be able to get up and like chill with God for an hour before work and it was amazing. Now it's a different season. But that doesn't mean that there isn't opportunities. Like I can be hanging out the washing or driving to work or doing, washing the dishes and like be still. Like, God doesn't have to disappear from my life just because I get interrupted every two seconds. I just, there's just a different way of doing it. And I feel like by doing that, I train myself for the times of storm and turbulence when I just feel a bit knocked around with your emotions. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to sit down and uh, learn to be yeah. still in the midst of it. I've just been like, when I've been sort of, if I've been waking up and not wanting to get up, like, okay, I don't want to be thinking about all things I shouldn't, so I'm trying to still myself, but then I'm being seen for things. I'm thinking, that's still keeping my mind busy, you know what I mean? I have to be, like, not even doing that, just trying to really focus on, on the Lord and just really and be wait on you, God. <laughs> yeah. I'll do the washing. <laughs> yes. I'm like, your servant's listening, Lord, speak. And I've been trying that as well, you know, and <laughs> Samuel. But, um, yeah, and just... You know what you're saying as well, Lena. I've been going through a spell where it's like, oh, I mean, I do love the word of God, but I'm just like, oh, I've got to, you know, I feel like I'm sort of, you know, you have times where you feel like you're forcing yourself. And then I feel guilty because, like, I should just want to do this and I'm not, shouldn't be forcing, but, you know, and I have to remember, no, I'm making a choice yet. So I don't have to feel guilty and condemned that I might not feel like doing it at that moment, but I'm still, still choosing to do it. So yeah. And I think it's like any relationship. Like, would you prefer someone who is sitting and spending time with you, or someone who's running around like a mad hatter, trying yeah. to do everything around and this, that, and the other? And there is a place for doing nice things, but you know, not actually spending any time. Well, not, if you invite them around to your house, right, and, and then they're distracted on your phone, <laughs> yeah. or just thinking about this and thinking about that, and yeah. I think there's an element to Martha where she's almost trying to earn the approval of Jesus by doing yeah. and striving for that, rather than that approval by just sitting and being. And you got to remember it's opposed, you know, yeah. and you got to just not condemn yourself, but you have to still make the choices. So it is opposed. It's opposed by the enemy and by your flesh. Hostile to, to God. God. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> he doesn't want it. All right, so we'll leave it there and just leave you with that thought of are you being a Martha or are you being a Mary? Are you sitting at the feet of Jesus and being still with him? Something to build a habit of. Yeah. All our lives. And that's it, habit, isn't it? It's just yep. to make a habit. Yeah. All right. Um, that's all from us today. If you'd like to get in contact with us, our website is www.life-counseling.net. And we'll see you next time. <laughs>